last Saturday in an attempt to demonstrate outrage at, at something, some three million people across the country, mostly women, participated in women's marches. The scattershot platform for the march included public funding for contraception and abortion, equal pay, protections for illegal immigrants, anti-Israel activism, and taxpayer-subsidized tampons, among other various and random causes. What united them? Hatred for the reality that Donald Trump was sworn in as president of the United States on Friday. Two contrasting images emerged from the march itself. First, people filling the streets out of pure, unadulterated, but vaguely motivated frustration. Second, some of the most egregiously perverse speeches and signage in modern political history. While the left celebrated the first image, isn't this a sign of a political uprising in the making? It ignored the second image, which is far more likely to backfire than to generate enthusiasm. That second image was promulgated by celebrities like Ashley Judd, who was once considered a frontrunner for the Democratic nomination for the Senate in Kentucky. The has-been actress raged, I'm a nasty woman. I didn't know devils could be resurrected, but I feel Hitler, Hitler! In these streets, a mustache traded for a toupee. I am nasty like the blood stains on my bed sheets. We don't actually choose if and when to have our periods. Believe me, if we could, some of us would. We do not like throwing away our favorite pairs of underpants. Tell me, why are pads and tampons still taxed when Viagra and Rogaine are not? Okay. Meanwhile, thousands of women donned pussy hats or pink knit caps with cat ears designed to rebuke Trump for the Access Hollywood tape in which he said he could grab women by the blank and get away with it. They marched with signs reading, leave my pee alone. And if abortion is murder, then certain sexual acts are cannibalism. And this pussycat without the cat bites and she slays. Neral pro-choice America handed out signs with similar messages. This reduction of women to their constituent body parts is kind of ironic, coming from the same side of the political aisle that says that men sometimes have vaginas and that some women have penises. But more importantly, reducing female priorities to killing babies and increased funding for maxi pads it actually objectifies women. Instead of recognizing that women have all sorts of political views, instead of recognizing that many women believe they ought to be left alone by government in order to pursue their dreams, the Women's Marches declared government has to treat vaginal possession with a sort of victim status deserving of special protection. The suggestion that the government must guarantee special privileges for women because their biology makes them somehow lesser or that abortion rights are necessary to achieve equality, it reduces the fight for female equality to the fight for female sameness, which is insulting to women. And it's off-putting to voters. If these women are so concerned about vulgarity, why are they embracing it? If they're so upset Trump supposedly reduces women to body parts, why promote that same silly thinking? The left tried to run the war on women in 2016. They lost. Now they're doubling down. But apparently, so long as they can pat themselves on the back for their unearned moral superiority, they'll be happy. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. So, we are here, and Donald Trump's been a very busy man, which means that we have a lot to go through. President Trump has signed a slew of executive orders. He's been extraordinarily active on Twitter, which means, of course, that gives us lots to talk about. We'll get to all of that in one moment. First, we have to say thank you to our advertisers over at Helix Sleep. So, as I've said before on the program, I am an extraordinarily light sleeper. I don't tend to sleep well. Small noises wake me up. If the bed isn't comfortable, then it's hard for me to sleep, which is why I am so excited about being partnered with Helix Sleep. Helix Sleep, it's a mattress company, and what they do is you go on their website over at helixsleep.com slash Ben, helixsleep.com slash Ben, and they give you a questionnaire. What kind of bed do you like? Do you like it hard? Do you like it soft? Do you like it firm? Do you like it breathable? Do you like to sleep in kind of cool, or do you like it to be warm and absorb heat? Well, helixsleep.com, they then send you... They then send you the mattress in the mail. And by the way, you can get a mattress that has two different settings if you're, if you're married or you have a partner and, uh, and you want the bed to have two different settings because one of you likes it soft and one of you likes it 
more firm. Helix can do that as well. They send it to you in the mail in a box, and then you unpack it, and it inflates automatically. Uh, and it is super comfortable. It's so comfortable that we took a more expensive mattress we had, and we actually moved it out of our room and put the Helix sleep mattress in. It is definitely up to the quality of our sleep. They run that 3D biomechanical model of your body through their algorithms that they've created to help create the most comfortable mattress you've ever slept on. If you don't like it, by the way, you can return it. It arrives in about a week. Shipping is 100% free. You have 100 nights to try it out. And then if you don't like it, they'll pick it up for free and they'll take it away. No questions asked. So it really is no risk. Uh, it's a lot cheaper than a lot of the more expensive mattresses as well. It's, it's a great company. We're very excited to be associated with them. HelixSleep.com slash Ben, and you get 50 bucks off your first order, which is a pretty good deal. HelixSleep.com slash Ben. Make sure you use the slash Ben so they know that we sent you as a way of saying thank you to them for sponsoring the program. Okay, so lots going on. So Donald Trump has been very, very active in the last 24 hours, and he's done a lot of good things, and he's done a couple of things that are not so good. So first off, the big headline of the day is that the stock market has broken 20,000. The Dow Jones Industrial Average has now broken 20,000. And this, of course, is great news. I mean, as somebody with money in the stock market, that's fantastic. And it is amazing how the entire left thought the world would implode when Trump was elected. So if you go back to their predictions, New York Times faux economist Paul Krugman, he wrote, this is my specialty. If the question is when markets will recover, a first-pass answer is never. Never. They'd never recover from a Donald Trump election. When Donald Trump took office, by the way, the, uh, the stock market, the DGIA, was at, the Dow Jones, was at like 18,200. It is currently over 20,000. So Krugman is wrong. Kurt Eichenwald of Vanity Fair, you remember him. He's the cr crazy kook who was on with Tucker Carlson holding a binder and just being generally weird. He tweeted in September that in preparation for a Trump presidency, he sold all of his stocks in his kids' education accounts. And he urged everyone else to do the same, which would have been a terrible move. But it's not just kind of the kooky left. Professor Eric Zitzowitz of Dartmouth College, he said the global markets would tank by 10% if Trump was elected. The former chief economist for the International Monetary Fund said we should expect a big markdown in expected future earnings for a wide range of stocks and a likely crash in the broader market. There's a hedge fund called Bridgewater Associates. They said that if Trump was elected, the stock market would would dump 2,000 points in a day. Citigroup forecast the S&P 500 would drop between 3 and 5%. Instead, by the end of the day of the election, the DGIA had risen 1.4%. Had, had risen the S&P 500 had risen by 1.1%. Now, all of that is great news, and it demonstrates the panic on the left is overstated. By the same token, just to be intellectually honest, which we like doing around here, you know, the Republicans are saying this is the Trump effect. This is because of Trump, right? Kellyanne Conway tweeted out the Trump effect. Fox Business said President Trump's early policy follow-through propels Dow to 20,000. There's a problem with this logic. I was here during the Obama years. During the Obama years, in March of 2009, the stock market was at 6,600. 6,600. When he left, or when, he, when Trump was elected, it was at 18,332. So that's a 277% increase over the course of his term. Today, the stock market is at 20,051 as of the time uh, about 40 minutes ago. That's a 9.4% increase. Well, I'm, I remember we didn't say that Barack Obama's economic policies were glorious because the stock market was doing well. So you can't change the metric for success in the middle of the game. You don't get to say stock market doesn't matter when it's doing well under Obama, but now it matters a lot when it's doing well 
under Trump. There's stuff that Trump's going to do that's good. There's stuff that Trump's going to do that's bad. I'm very pleased the stock market is doing well. A bit of intellectual honesty would be nice. The stock market does not generally operate based on political events like elections. It really doesn't. It operates much more based on underlying market fundamentals. The market already prices in the risks that are associated with the election of various people in the political system. When you buy a stock, you tend not to think about the, pol- the politics of the situation. You tend to think about the underlying value of the company. Do you think it's overvalued or undervalued? That, the global economic situation, what is the stock market like in China? You know, th- that sort of stuff has a much broader impact than an election. And pretending that Trump is responsible for all of the rise is just as silly as pretending that Barack Obama was responsible for all of the rise. So I just want to get that out of the way since that's the big news story of the day. And there are reasons to celebrate Trump, which we're going to get to in one second. But I just want to I just want to be intellectually honest about the stock market thing, because I think that it's setting up a situation where next time the stock market goes up under a Democrat, then the Democrats will say the same thing and then we'll say no. And it's just silly. It's just silly. OK, so. Here's the stuff that Trump is doing that's good, and he's doing a bunch of good things. Again, you sort of have to separate Trump into what he says on Twitter and what he's saying publicly and then what he actually does. What he's actually doing is listening to the people around him. So, for example, he is now acting on the border wall, which is what he has to do. This was, by the way, the part of his agenda I thought he was most likely to follow through on because Donald Trump likes building things, big, glorious, huge things with his name on them that are golden, right? He, he loves that stuff. So the idea he wasn't going to build the wall, of course he was always going to build a physical barrier along the border, as well he should. He's now signed an executive order that uh, that is supposed to basically tell the executive branch to go ahead and start constructing that wall or continue constructing that wall. He also said that he was going to increase plans to hire 5,000 more U.S. Customs and Border Protection agents. That's actually low. I'd like to see that up to 20,000. Even the Gang of Eight bill, which sucked, had 20,000 additional ICE agents, uh, Border Protection agents, not 5,000. That needs to increase dramatically. Uh, Trump has also said that he is going to withdraw funding from sanctuary cities, which certainly should be done. There's no reason the federal government should sponsor cities for violating federal law. So good for Donald Trump on all of that. Also, he's expected to limit the number of refugees admitted to the United States to 50,000 a year, down from 100,000, and impose a temporary ban on a lot of refugees. Immigration experts expect that later in the week, he's going to suspend the issuance of visas to people from countries where he can't get adequate screening. That's Syria, Sudan, Somalia, Iraq, Iran, Libya, Yemen. I'm actually shocked that it doesn't include more countries. It should probably include Afghanistan, for starters. It should include Pakistan, for starters. Uh, There are a lot of countries where extremism is extraordinarily high, and we have a tough time screening. And putting a postponement on while we get a better screening system seems to me a basic, logical thing to do. So good for Trump on that. Really, that's, that's good stuff. Donald Trump followed through on all of that. The part that he's not following through on, apparently, is DACA and DAPA getting rid of the executive amnesty. So good for him on the wall, good for him on the border agents, good for him on sanctuary cities. Really, really good stuff. Terrific stuff from President Trump on that. Good for him on postponing a lot of this this immigration from countries that we can't check. That's a really positive development because we don't need more immigrants who are going to come here and participate in terror acts or support them. So that is a good thing as well. All of this is really good. It's important to mention in the context of immigration that the border wall is less significant than the, than the DACA-DAPA executive amnesty that Obama pushed because most of the people who are staying in the country right now are people who violated their visas. The border wall 
you know, it, it allows us to know when people are attempting to cross the border. Presumably, you set up some sort of touch fence like Israel has so that you can determine when people are trying to cross the border. It would stop people from crossing the border without us knowing about it. But the fact is that net immigration through the southern border has actually been pretty flat for the last couple of years, despite these well-publicized kind of spikes that have been happening with people crossing the border and being captured by ICE. The real problem with illegal immigration is not people crossing the border that we don't know about. It's the fact that we know about all these people and we don't do anything about all these people. That a lot of people cross the border and then they have a baby and then they're tied here. Or they cross the border, they overstay a visa and we lose track of them. Or they cross the border and then ICE grabs them and then ICE sends them to an immigration court and then they are released on their own remand, which is ridiculous, and then they just disappear, right? That's really the big problem with immigration. That's going to be much more up to Attorney General Jeff Sessions and we will see how he enforces the law. But as far as this sort of stuff, good, good for Donald Trump. Other good stuff from Donald Trump. So Donald Trump is talking about his Supreme Court picks. He mentions one guy who I think would be really good and one guy who I'm a little more dicey on. The guy who he's mentioning who's really good is a judge named Neil Gore. His name is Neil Gorsuch. He's from the 10th Circuit Court of Appeals. And from what I have seen, he is quite good. Uh, And again, there's always a little bit of mystery about these folks because they don't rule on every issue and they don't speak out on every issue, particularly because Democrats tend to shut down anybody who speaks clearly and openly about judicial issues. If you say Roe v. Wade is the worst constitutional decision in the United States since Dred Scott and Plessy v. Ferguson and maybe Skinner v. Oklahoma, if you say that, then the Democrats will just kill your nomination. So what you get is a lot of stealth candidates, a lot of people who you don't know much about them. But here's what we do know about Neil Gorsuch if he is selected next week. And this is coming from somebody who opposed Justice Roberts. I think I was the only conservative in America who opposed Justice Roberts on the grounds that we didn't know enough about him. So here's what we know about Gorsuch. He was appointed to the Tenth Circuit by George W. Bush in 2006. He has a a really good legal resume, obviously, went to, to University of Oxford and Harvard Law School. He did clerk for Byron White and Anthony Kennedy neither of whom is conservative, obviously. Byron White and Anthony Kennedy are not conservative, so that is uh, something of concern. Some of his high-profile rulings, however, have been pretty textualist. So, for example, Neil Gorsuch on on what is called the Chevron Rule. The Chevron Rule, this is obscure constitutional law now, but it actually matters a lot. Under the Chevron Rule, the judiciary really does not review the rulings of administrative agencies. So if you have a run-in with the EPA, the EPA has basically its own court system. And if the EPA rules against you, if an administrative court rules against you, judges typically don't overrule that. Gorsuch thinks that's ridiculous. He thinks that there's no reason why the judiciary should be able to have its power removed and handed to the executive branch. That's a good thing. Gorsuch has written a pretty sterling dissent uh, from the Tenth Circuit in the case of Hobby Lobby. So Hobby Lobby, as you recall, was a case where the federal government was trying to cram down on private companies that these private companies had to purchase Obamacare for people in spite of their religious objections. They had to cover contraceptives in spite of their religious objections. Gorsuch wrote a really good dissent in that particular case. That one comes up. Uh, He is apparently a textualist. Uh, He is very hard on on poorly written criminal law. Uh, He has talked about judicial activism and the fact that the left uses the courts in order to press forward its case. He's written a book very critical of assisted suicide. So this is somebody who who tends to be more along the lines of Justice Scalia. As far as the other person who Trump is apparently considering, this is Hardiman, right? So, so this is Judge Thomas Hardiman, who is a U.S. District Court judge in Pennsylvania, sits on the same court as Trump's sister, apparently. He's from the Third Circuit Court of Appeals. 
And uh, right now, there are people who are handicapping this as, as him being the front runner. Some people say Gorsuch is the front runner. I don't know anything. Uh, I don't know that Hardiman's record betrays anything particularly conservative versus not conservative. So I don't see any red flags, really. Uh, there, there's not a lot on substance. He, uh, he's in favor of, of sort of tougher crime, tr- tougher on crime stuff, but he's kind, of a, he's kind of a cipher to me. He was confirmed 95 to 0, by the way, for the Court of Appeals. I, I, whenever somebody is confirmed 95 to 0, it's a good indicator that they're too much of a cipher for you to trust. Right? You should actually have a certain amount of controversy with your Supreme Court nominees. Otherwise, how do you know that you're getting it right if the Democrats don't think that you're getting it wrong? So I prefer Gorsuch to Hardiman. We'll see who Trump picks on all of that. So that's the story with Donald Trump's actions. And then there's Donald Trump's Twitter. Then there is Donald Trump's Twitter. And we'll get to Donald Trump's Twitter in just a minute. Plus, you have to stick around over at DailyWire.com. You have to become a subscriber and stick around because we're going to talk about the most racist, ridiculous Democratic Party town hall ever, ever. And the, Trump's done so much, I talked a lot about that. But I want to get to what the Democrats are doing because that, to me, is the key to the whole political news cycle. What the Democrats are doing right now is doubling down on racism in a really severe way. And we're going to talk about that as soon as we're done here on Facebook over at DailyWire.com. Go over there and subscribe. Eight bucks a month gets you a subscription to DailyWire.com. Annual subscribers still get a signed copy of my book, True Allegiance. We have a bunch of new goodies that are coming out for subscribers. The Shapiro store is due to open very, very shortly. And you get to be part of tomorrow's mailbag. You get to watch the rest of the show live, be part of tomorrow's mailbag, watch Clavin's show live, be part of his mailbag. And as I say, lots more goodies coming for subscribers behind the paywall dailywire.com. If you just want to listen to the rest of the show, go subscribe at iTunes. Definitely subscribe at iTunes. We have now tens of thousands of subscribers. We are, of course, the most listened to conservative podcast in the United States. So Donald Trump is doing a lot of very good things. He's also doing some things that I don't love right on trade. He's doing some stuff particularly I don't love that I talked about yesterday. And then there's his Twitter feed. Then there's his Twitter feed. So the real question is, is Donald Trump's team going to be able to channel him into doing the right things, even while his petty narcissism drives him to say really, really stupid things? So here are a couple examples. Last night, Donald Trump was watching Fox News. How do I know that Donald Trump was watching Fox News? Because Donald Trump was tweeting about how he was watching Fox News. So he tweeted, first of all, congratulations to Fox News for being number one in inauguration ratings. They were many times higher than fake news CNN. Public is smart. (laughs) exclamation point. Okay, so I wasn't a big fan of it when Obama did this. I'm going to target specific outlets. I'm not a fan when Trump does it. I have a very simple rule. If it's bad for the goose, then it's bad for the gander. You don't get to change your opinion just because you like the guy. Okay, other things that Donald Trump is tweeting and how you know he's watching Fox News. So last night, Bill O'Reilly uh, is uh, is broadcasting about the situation in Chicago. And he cites all of these statistics about the situation in Chicago. He talks about how violence is up in Chicago, how, how there are a number of killings in Chicago. And then he has on a guy to talk about what can Donald Trump do about it, right? What, what can Donald Trump do about any of this stuff? And the guy immediately says, well, Donald Trump can definitely intervene directly. Donald Trump can intervene directly. So here is here's what Bill O'Reilly talked about. He said, quote, the first 23 days of this year, this is a direct quote from O'Reilly, 42 homicides in the Windy City, up 24% from last year. An unbelievable 228 people have been shot in Chicago in 23 days. The question is, can President Trump override local Illinois and Chicago authorities and stop the murder? And then he hosted this attorney, and the attorney said, absolutely, the feds can do this. 
Here is President Trump on Twitter. If Chicago doesn't fix the horror, and by the way, that guy then called it carnage. Trump, if Chicago doesn't fix the horrible carnage going on, 228 shootings in 2017 with 42 killings, up 24% from 2016, I will send in the feds. So he's legitimately taking direct cues now from Bill O'Reilly's show on Fox News. If I were a Democrat, I would certainly be buying out all ad time on Fox News and then kissing Trump's ass in the ads and encourage and telling him that he's a genius for embracing nationalized health care because there's at least a 30% shot that Trump buys it and then pursues it. There are a couple problems with this. Number one, this is not how federalism works, okay? This is not how it works. You don't get to say, bad situation in city. I'm sending in federal troops. That is called fascism. You don't get to do that. That's not good. You have to be invited in. The National Guard has to be invited in by the governor. The governor can deploy the National Guard, or the mayor has to ask for federal help. It's not a good situation when the federal government is simply overriding localities and states because the president doesn't like something that's going on. Crime is a local issue. Crime is not a federal issue. And the fact that Donald Trump doesn't understand that, it's not great. Now, is this something that people should be super duper duper worried about? No, because it's on Twitter. I I think the new basic rule is this. If Donald Trump tweets it, don't take it that seriously because it's just Trump mouthing off. And I understand that means you're ignoring the president of the United States when he says things, but you sort of have to because his actions are not the same as the things that he says. And if you do that, if you ignore the things that he says, then he's doing a good job. If you include the things that he says, then eh, and then, you, then you get yourself in a little bit of hot water. Now, I understand, as president of the United States, what Trump says matters. It helps shape the public debate. When you have somebody who's repeating fibs in the public eye, and he's the president, it's not good. One of the things I hated about the Obama administration was the constant, unerring instinct to lie. It's what we hated about Hillary Clinton. It's not good. But we can separate off Trump's persona from Trump's activities. His activities have been largely good. His persona is largely Trumpian, which I think is quite bad. But, you know, as far as what matters in terms of policy, his policies have been mostly good. Now, he, he's also apparently pushing hard on this voter fraud stuff. He's pushing very hard on this voter fraud stuff. We'll get to that in just a second. But first, we have to get to the Democrats absolutely falling apart. So, the Democrats are trying to decide where they go from here. They're trying to decide, do we, do we try to capture the votes that we lost to Donald Trump in all of these rural counties in Pennsylvania, Ohio, Wisconsin, Michigan, or do we, or do we just double down on our strategy, which is this minority ethnicity coalition politics? Right? Do we double down on the idea, the intersectionality politics, the idea that there's a hierarchy of races and genders, and that the higher you are on that hierarchy, the more we respect you, and then we just rip on straight white males all day. And it seems pretty clear that the Democrats are going to double down on the we hate white people routine. Sally Boynton Brown is the the executive director of the Idaho Democrats, and she's running for the chairwoman of the Democratic National Committee. And they had a big town hall last night with all the candidates. Here was Sally Boynton Brown, what she says about, about what Democrats need to do. I'm a white woman. I don't get it. I am pleased and honored to be here today to have the conversation. I am so excited that we're here. And I am listening because my job is to listen to the issues. My job is to listen and be a voice. And my job is to shut other white people down when they want to interrupt. My job is to shut other white people down when they want to interrupt? Fascist much? I mean, really, that's pretty astonishing. Her job is not to tell the truth. Her job is not to facilitate conversation. Her job is to tell people of a particular race to shut up. Reverse the races, and you see how racist this is, right? I'm so proud to be here and understand the concerns of white people, and I'm here to tell you, black people need to shut up when it comes to the concerns of white folks. What? 
Excuse me? This is America. The color of your skin does not determine whether you get to be part of a conversation or whether what you're saying is true. But Democrats are doubling down on this stuff. And by the way, it wasn't just this lady. It wasn't just Sally Boynton Brown. I mean, this is nuts stuff. This is crazy towns. She said, my job is to listen and be a voice and shut other white people down when they want to interrupt. This is life and death. I need schooling so I can go school the other white people. You lost the election because white people thought that you were being racist to white people. I mean, this is just basic fact, okay? The Democrats lost this election because a lot of rural white folks were sick of hearing the media and Barack Obama and the Democrats repeat ad nauseum that they were rife with implicit bias and responsible for all the world's ills. There was a backlash, and that backlash was caused by the intersectionality politics of the Democrats. But the Democrats are doubling down. Jemu Green is a Fox News analyst. She, she countered that particularly strong play. I mean, it, it's... It, it's you watch people say this kind of stuff, and you're like, strong move, Cotton. Let's see if that works out for you. Jemu Green says Democrats did a piss-poor, pathetic job of reaching out to minority voters, despite the Democrats' constant pandering to Black Lives Matter. You remember, mothers of the movement were on stage at the DNC. Black Lives Matter were routinely, routinely pandered to by Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton threw her own husband's crime legacy under the bus to pander to radical black folks. Green said, we need to get the same resources the white consultants have gotten. New Hampshire Democratic Party Chairman Raymond Buckley. He then told a sob story about how his black niece feared living in America under Donald Trump. He concluded, quote, that fear is all across the country. It's even in rural New Hampshire. So when people say black lives matter, you are damn right they matter. Is Donald Trump killing black people? I missed that part. I missed the part where Donald Trump is killing Black people. Now, Democrats believe that they'll be able to win based on just alienating white folks because what they figure is that there is going to be an increased number, that there's going to be an increased number of, of minority folks in the system. So they believe that Hispanic voters are going to increase in the system and they will win an increasing share of those Hispanic voters, particularly with Trump in power. That's a dubious assumption, by the way, because Trump actually won more Hispanics uh, than Mitt Romney did. He won more black voters than Mitt Romney did percentage-wise. And, but, but it doesn't matter. They think the demographics are trending in their direction. They figure that as white voters represent fewer and fewer members of the electorate, then minorities are going to increase, and so they better pander to those people. The black vote is not increasing in size, by the way. The minority vote is increasing because of Hispanics. Millennials voted very heavily for Hillary Clinton in 2016, 55% for Hillary in 2016, 60% for Obama in 2012. They're trying to double down on that group of folks. So they're trying to pander to young people, minority people. The problem is you pander that hard, and it becomes clear to everybody what you're doing, and it just loses its appeal. It loses its appeal. But Democrats don't seem to care about all of this. They're just in total disarray, and they're also losing their minds. So, as I mentioned, if you want to, here's how, so do, back to Donald Trump now for a second, back to President Trump. So, President Trump, he tweets out yesterday, and there are reports that he has been going around just whining still about how he would have won the popular vote except for voter fraud. Supposedly, there were three to five million illegal votes cast, all against him, but none in the swing states, which makes no sense. Like, if, you're, if, you, are, if you are conspiratorial enough to believe that you can get three to five million illegal voters in the, into this election cycle, then why wouldn't you send them to the swing states? Right? This is a question nobody has yet been able to answer. Does voter fraud occur? Of course voter fraud occurs. Is it millions of votes? No. No, it is not. It probably is not even tens of thousands of votes. It's probably not even 10,000 votes across the country. There are a lot of dead people who are on the rolls. There are a lot of people who are registered in the wrong place. I, I love this. So Donald Trump tweets, I will be asking from, so people said to him, well, if you're so all fired concerned about voter fraud, 
By the way, it is also worth noting, Donald Trump's team said when Jill Stein sued in Michigan and Wisconsin, do you remember this? Donald Trump's team said there's no voter fraud there. Right? There are no voting irregularities. So now he's saying they're voting irregularities. <sighs> it makes your head spin a little bit, gives you a bit of a headache. But Donald Trump today, he says he was asked, why didn't you initiate an investigation? So he says, I will be asking for a major investigation into voter fraud, including those registered to vote in two states, those who are illegal, and even those who are registered to vote who are dead, and many for a long time. Depending on the results, we will strengthen up voting procedures. So the left is going nuts. Why? Because they're saying, well, there's no evidence of widespread voter fraud. Now, Two things can be true at once. There can be voter fraud that can deserve a federal investigation, and we should have voter ID, right? All of that can be true. Also, it's not true that three to five million people voted illegally in this election cycle. It's just not true. There's no evidence to support that. And people who are saying, well, where's your evidence to debunk it? When you make an accusation like three to five million votes were cast for Hillary Clinton illegally, you need to provide a shred of evidence to support that, like a little. It's not my job to debunk your stupid claim. Okay, if you say that the spaghetti monster just attacked New York and leveled the city, and I say, well, no, it didn't, then you don't have to say, then you don't get to say, show me the evidence it didn't. I get to say, no, 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 you have to show me the evidence that it did. Right? I can't prove a negative. I can't prove a negative. It's logically impossible to prove a negative. But I can certainly say to you, you need to show, the burden is on you to show me that a spaghetti monster actually leveled New York. It's not on me to prove a spaghetti monster did not level New York. Okay, so this is, this is silly towns. So, but the Democrats in, are chasing every rabbit down every hole. They have to chase every rabbit down every hole. So they're being driven nuts by the fact that Trump is a little bit nuts, right? So Trump, Trump says things like, my crowd size is it's the biggest crowd size anyone has ever seen. Every person on earth and people who were not yet born watched my inauguration. The people loved it. The people Right? Okay, so it, by the way, it actually is true. The polls show people actually liked his inaugural address the same way they liked his, his RNC address, even though the media hated it. But the left is going nuts over this because Trump is lying and saying things that are untrue. He, and it, listen, it doesn't become true just because Trump is saying it. He's saying things that are untrue, but pretty unimportant. Okay, in the broad scheme of things, is it super important that Donald Trump is saying he had a really big crowd? Is it really super, super all-fired important that Donald Trump is saying there were three to five million illegal votes. Like, yeah, I guess that one's more important than the crowd size one. But the media are losing their minds over all of this. Apparently, the crowd size one, it's pretty amazing. Je Senator Jeff Merkley from Oregon, he was grilling the, uh, the Office of Management and Budget nominee, Trump's Office of Management and Budget nominee, Mick Mulvaney. And the, remember, this is the Office of Management and Budget. Okay, and here is a Democratic senator, senator grilling the OMB potential director about Trump's crowd size. Who do you think is losing their mind here? I have behind me two pictures that were taken at about the same time of day in 2009 and 2017. Which crowd is larger, the 2009 crowd or the 2017 crowd? Senator, if you allow me to give the disclaimer that I'm not really sure how this ties to OMB, I'll be happy to answer your question, which was from that picture. It does appear that the crowd on the left-hand side is bigger than the crowd on the right-hand side. Thank you. What? What? He's the, <laughs> he's the head of the OMB. They're so out of their minds. Trump is trolling them into insanity, partially because Trump... It's, it's, okay, so some people are saying this is Trump playing 4D chess. No, no one could possibly assume this level of stupidity by the Democrats. It's Trump being a narcissistic tool and Democrats losing their minds because they're all crazy. Everyone is crazy now. So Chuck Schumer doing the same thing to Trump. Stop avoiding the facts. Your crowd size was too small. And these falsehoods are told 
Our Republican colleagues have an obligation to reject them, not to skirt around them. The bottom line is simple. You cannot run a government. You cannot help people. You cannot keep America safe if you don't actually admit to the facts. Plain and simple. Right there. Unless Again, everybody in the world looks at Chuck Schumer and they go, your party said if you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. Your party said that Benghazi was about a YouTube video. You claim to traffic in truth, but you don't. So this just doesn't wash. Now, meanwhile, it is amazing that the Republicans are going along with this crap. Like I, I thought, you know, as far as Trump's Trump's fibs. Okay, the fibs don't become good just because Trump is saying them. I don't know how many times I have to say this in a row before people actually get this, but apparently the number is infinite because I'm running into Republicans every day who act like, oh, well, if Trump lies, that's okay, Obama lied. It's like, no, it was bad when Obama did it. That's why I didn't like him, right? Uh, did you like it when Obama lied to you? Well, I didn't like it, did you? Uh, come on. But Sean Spicer goes out there yesterday and then he says, yeah, Trump is basically right on illegal voting. And then he admits right after that, he has no evidence that Trump is right about illegal voting. The president does believe that. He has stated that before. I think he stated his concerns of uh, voter fraud and, and people voting illegally during the campaign. And he continues to maintain that belief based on studies and evidence that people have presented to him. But exactly what evidence? I, I, well, I, you, Ryan today said there's no evidence. The National Association of Secretaries of State say that they don't agree with the president's assessment. What evidence do you have? I, 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 as I said, I think the president has believed that for a while based on studies and information he has. What? Based on studies and information that he has? Yeah, he once tweeted based on studies and information that Barack Obama was born in Kenya. That his birth certificate was fake. And then Spicer says that he has no evidence. When you were talking about that voter fraud, are you going to ask for an investigation? Is the White House going to formally ask for a probe into this alleged No, I think we, we, he won very, very handily with 306 electoral votes. 33 states. He's very comfortable with his win, but I think... It trouble him if he's bringing it up. I, I think he was having a discussion with some folks and, and mentioned something in passing, which has been a long-standing belief that he's maintained. This isn't the first time that you've heard this concern of his. Try. It's not, but I Thanks, think it's Sean. worth clarifying whether illegal ballots or illegal immigrants... And I, I think there's been studies. There was one that came out of Pew in 2008 that showed 14% of, of people who have voted were non-citizens. There's other studies that have been presented to him. It's a belief he maintains. I don't, I mean. That's not what Pew said. Pew said that 14% of registered voters were registered illegally. That doesn't mean they all voted. But in any case, again, the, the, this, this doubling down by the, by the Trump administration, it's driving the left nuts because he's treating it like it's a, like it's a religion, right? He actually says this is a belief Trump maintains. Okay, I believe in God. I believe that God gave the Torah on Mount Sinai. That's not the same thing as I believe in gravity. Right? Religion is, by nature, largely unprovable. Okay? This is, he's making a factual claim, not a religious claim. You don't get to say Donald Trump believes in voter fraud because he has a religious belief in voter fraud. Like You actually have to prove it. And Charles Krauthammer is right when he says that Trump's voter fraud issues are part of a character problem. I mean, this is just as a fact. But Democrats don't know how to handle it. Here's Krauthammer. Guy Charles, but I watched candidate Trump own the next day of of heads exploding on the left and in the in the media, and and then he won. I mean, and he's always figured out how to win. And I just there's some part of me that thinks is this somehow a strategy? To it seems I can't figure out why, but is it? Well, guy asked the question: Why are we talking about this? Why is it being brought up? And the answer is rather simple. I don't think it's a strategy. This is a character problem. He defines himself as a winner. 
Yes, that's right. And, you know, Republicans can acknowledge that at the same time that they're pushing for better policy, but Democrats can't handle it at all. So instead of the Democrats, here's what Democrats should do if they were smart. What Democrats should do if they were smart is they should say, Donald Trump lies again. Right, Donald Trump fibs again. This is not true. And then they should just leave it at that. Right, just let it sit there. Just let it sit there. But they can't. They have to hysterically overreact to everything. It has to turn, Donald Trump is the greatest liar who ever lived. Donald Trump is going to blow up the world. If he won't acknowledge that voter fraud is, is largely fictitious in terms of three to five million people voting, then that means that he's got his finger on the nuclear button and France is next. I mean, guys, calm yourselves. Calm yourselves. When I say don't turn it to 11, I mean emotionally. Cover people however you want, but emotionally. Understand, there's going to be a long four years, a very long four years filled with Donald Trump saying and tweeting very silly things. And he is trolling you all into insanity because you're spending all your time tracking down his random thoughts while Donald Trump actually gets things done with executive orders and a Republican Congress. Like Brian Stelter, here's an example. Brian Stelter on CNN losing his mind. Well, I want to choose my words as carefully as possible, Brooke. You know, we talked before the election about Donald Trump claiming the election would be rigged and about how that undermined the integrity of the voting system. But here we are now on President Trump's fifth day in office. The only word I can think of is crazy. This is crazy. It's crazy to believe that three to five million people voted illegally in this election. It, of course, undermines democracy, but it's crazy. Um, if you care about facts, just a dark day. We heard about alternative facts recently via Kellyanne Conway, and this is an alternative fact. Uh, I thought Abby was doing a good job presenting the data there because the truth is a lot of Americans do believe there was a lot of illegal voting. Mm -hmm. And so the best source I have on this is the New York Times. They reached out to all 50 states uh, and reached out to the appropriate authorities in each state because these are state-level elections. And the Times found that uh, all 50 states, except for Kansas, which didn't respond, found that no states reported indications of widespread fraud. Okay, so, in a, so, okay, so the, what he says here, the very end is what he should actually report. You don't need him going, this is crazy, it's so crazy, and we're all going to die, it's so crazy. Right, what he should say is, Donald Trump says there were three to five million illegal votes. That's not true. There's no evidence to support that. There's illegal voters, sure. There are not three to five million of them, and this is just not. But the media can't handle themselves, and so they're chasing every rabbit. Chuck Todd gets this exactly wrong. He says, Team Trump is distracting themselves with small stuff. Here's what he says. Folks, it's big news when your president can't handle bad news. But this is good news. He won the election. Beyond the circus this all causes, there are now serious questions to be asked. How does that impact his ability to lead if he continues to get distracted by this small stuff? Or his ability to manage relationships with our allies or our enemies? How does this impact his agenda? How does this impact his support on the Hill? It looks like we're going to find out. Let me bring in my panel, Democratic strategist Steve McMahon, The Atlantic's Molly Ball, and former Bush Cheney advisor, Robert Trainum. Okay, we'll stop it there. So he, he's, he's, uh, again, he says, how does this impact his ability to lead? Are we all going to die in a fiery nuclear flame because no no we're not everything is going to be okay and you know chuck todd maybe instead of you panicking over donald trump getting distracted over things did it ever occur to you that you're getting distracted over things again i'm not saying don't cover it i'm saying don't act like it's the end of the world when donald trump says and, and says silly he's not going to change he's not magically going to become captain dignity okay donald trump and dignity if they bumped into each other in the dark they wouldn't know who each other were because they've never met okay donald trump is not going to be the guy who sits around tweeting out well-thought-out verbiage about the integrity of the voting process. He's just not. And so what he's doing is actually... Donald Trump doesn't have to be good at this to win, right? So what he's actually doing is he tweets out something that is not true. The media lose their minds over it. They don't just say, that's not true. They lose their minds over it. And then Trump says, you know, when you say there's no such thing as voter fraud, sure there's such a thing as voter fraud. We'll have an investigation. We'll uncover some voter fraud. 
and then we'll pass voter ID laws, and then you'll lose your mind even more. And then we'll say, what, you're against voter ID? Do you want votes not to count? Like, it's, it ends up being an actual brilliant strategy that springs out of narcissistic pettiness. <laughs> it's amazing because the Democrats are so bad at this. Same thing on racial matters, right? Trump will say something like, Chicago has a really high murder rate. We're going to go in and do something about it. And people say, whoa, 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 you know, as I said earlier, you're not allowed to do this. This is not federalism. No. The Democrats will say, this is incipient fascism. We're all going to die because he's doing this. And then Trump says, what, you don't care about black people getting killed in Chicago? <laughs> it's amazing. It really, like, the left is so bad at this that they fall into the trap every single time. Okay, time for some things I like and then some things I hate and then some bibble talk. So, things I like, as I say, I've been doing biographies of dictators this week in honor of the Democrats' panic. So... The bi this biography of a dictator, a really good biography of Chairman Mao. This is one of the left's favorite dictators. Uh, Yung Cheng is, uh, is the author, and it's a, it's a non-laudatory biography of Mao who's basically been lauded by a lot of people on the left. One of the great mass killers in history, responsible for 40 million deaths or more in the Great Leap Forward, took credit for the defeat of the, of the Japanese Empire when he was not responsible for it virtually in the slightest during World War II. Really one of history's great monsters. His wife was also one of history's great monsters. Uh, China still labors under the legacy of Chairman Mao, even though they've modernized in some ways. Again, people getting crushed by tanks in Tiananmen Square, uh, that, that is all part of the Maoist regime. Uh, Mao is one of the great evil people of the 20th century that tends to go unnoticed because there were so many great evil dictators in the 20th century. And Chairman Mao stacks up against the finest of them. The book is really well written. It's very comprehensive. Go check it out. The Unknown Story, Mao, by Yung Cheng. Really, really a good book. Okay, time for some things that I hate. Okay, so we start with live action has now exposed Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood, obviously, Planned Parenthood lies routinely about participating in widespread prenatal care. They say, oh, people just come here. People just come here to, to check up on their babies and we, we help them with prenatal care. Yeah, except that really what they're about is killing babies. So Live Action, which is a, an organization run by my friend Lila Rose, they went undercover and they spoke with a bunch of people at Planned Parenthood. And it turns out, it turns out that they're not that into prenatal care unless that care involves chopping babies up in the womb. Here is some of the tape. Oh, uh, we don't offer any prenatal care. We don't offer prenatal care at Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood offers abortion, so they don't offer prenatal care. So Planned Parenthood says they're absolutely essential to women's health care because... Prenatal care. These are the kinds of services that folks depend on Planned Parenthood for. And a president who will fight for prenatal care. Prenatal care. Hi, I was hoping to make an appointment for prenatal care. For what type of service? Um, prenatal care. Pregnancy care? We don't have prenatal care here. Planned Parenthood offers abortions, so they don't offer prenatal <laughs> care. Okay, just abortions. Yeah. Unfortunately, no, we wouldn't provide He's any pre type of prenatal services here at Planned Parenthood. We're not a prenatal care provider. No Planned Parenthood does prenatal care. We don't offer prenatal care at Planned Parenthood. We specialize in abortions. Do you have OBGYNs here? We do not, no. Oh, you don't? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Which is a deceptive name, right? <laughs> I think the same thing. Or, you know, if you were looking at the termination options, we can do that as well. So they contacted 97 facilities across 41 Planned Parenthood affiliates. Only five facilities said they offered prenatal care of any sort. So this great lie that Planned Parenthood, it's desperately needed for low-income women who need prenatal care. Bunch of crap. It's an abortion mill. Everybody knows it's an abortion mill, including them. Okay, other things that I hate today. Lena Dunham continues to be Lena Dunham. 
<laughs> and one of the things that is amazing about Lena Dunham is that Lena Dunham actually thinks that she is some sort of poetic genius. So she's now written a poem. She's, uh, she, she's now written a poem called Monday After March. Monday After March. Uh, here we go. From Potato, Human Potato, Lena Dunham. Donald Trump only recognizes the humanity of women who look like his daughter. But after this weekend, he better know that we are all his daughters, rebellious ones, the kind who steal the car keys in the wallet and sneak out before we can be stopped, the kind who F with his friends and flirt with his enemies, the kind who turn it out and rage out, the kind who don't give a bleep what our daddies think and recognize the way so many fathers have failed us. Okay, so if we're going to talk about fathers that fail, why don't we start with Lena Dunham's father? Really, let's start with Lena Dunham's father. Lena Dunham's father apparently put up pictures of vaginas all over the walls of her New York City apartment growing up. Lena Dunham's father apparently saw nothing wrong with his daughter, even while his daughter was sexually abusing his other daughter. Lena Dunham's father was this kind of Art Nouveau, ridiculous, she-she leftist, and he brought up a daughter like Lena Dunham, who thinks that males are the worst thing ever. So if we're going to talk about bad dads, let's start with Lena Dunham's dad, because clearly he did a crappy job at raising his daughter. I love the fact that she says that we are all Donald Trump's daughters. Donald Trump didn't know that. I mean, he's not paying enough child support if that's the case. I like that she says that they're the kind who steal the car keys in the wallet and sneak out before we can be stopped. Her idea of feminine independence is being a 15-year-old rebellious girl. This may be the problem with Lena Dunham's life. Maybe one of the reasons you're so miserable, gal, is because... 15-year-old girls are not typically particularly happy, the kinds who steal the car keys and go out with their friends. That's not the hallmark of happiness. And when she says that this is the fault of fathers that have failed us, that we don't care, it says the kind who don't give a bleep what our daddies think and recognize, the way so many fathers have failed us, maybe you should care what your parents think because your parents are wiser than you sometimes. First of all, Donald Trump is not your daddy. It's amazing. It's amazing that even the folks on the left, they can't, they worship government so much that they can't even acknowledge that Trump isn't their father. Right? Yesterday, we had a whole spiel about this with Kellyanne Conway. Government is not your parent. Donald Trump is not your dad. The media is not your mom. But Lena Dunham is so ensconced in this leftist worldview that Donald Trump is her father, and it gives her an excuse to act like a bratty teenage child and go out there and rage about her vagina for no apparent reason. This is, it's, it's pretty incredible that Lena Dunham is considered an a, a up-and-coming voice on the left, a person who spoke at the Democratic National Convention. You want to know why the DNC continues to fall apart? They continue to fall apart because they give respect to ideological, ridiculous people, just ideological clowns like Lena Dunham, who thinks that this represents some sort of deep art rather than the angst-filled musings of a diary-writing 15-year-old girl with an absentee dad. It's just insane. Okay, so um, breaking news, by the way. Donald Trump has now told David Muir the construction of the Mexico wall starts in months. Taxpayers will be reimbursed at a later date. Okay, fine. All right, so quick note on the Bible. So every week here on the Ben Shapiro Show, we do a little bit of Bible talk because the Jews read a portion of the Bible every single week. This week's portion of the Bible uh, comes, it's called Vaera, and it comes from Exodus 7, partially. It's like 6 and 7 and 8. And uh, this part is the part that's always puzzled people. So this is from Exodus 7, 3 to 5. God says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. I will increase my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh will not hearken to you. And I will lay my hand upon the Egyptians, and I will take my legions, my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt with great judgment. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch forth my hand over Egypt, and I will take the children of Israel out of their midst. So when, when 
the Bible says this. People say, okay, well, then how can Pharaoh have any sort of responsibility for what he's doing? God is hardening his heart, right? God is, is making him change his mind. God is making him do something he wouldn't normally do. So the typical explanation uh, is that basically what's happening here is that Pharaoh already thinks this, and then God is giving him the courage to go forward with it. So it's really interesting. If you read the beginning of Exodus, Pharaoh is constantly doing things that are really anti-Semitic and awful, and then he's not really following through on them. So he declares that all Jewish babies should be killed upon birth. And then the midwives come to, come to Pharaoh and they say, well, these Jewish women, they're really good at this thing. I mean, they just keep giving birth before we even get there. And what's amazing about that is that Pharaoh doesn't say, so what? Take the baby and throw it in the river, right? <laughs> like the baby's still there. Who cares if you weren't there? How long can they hide a baby? Right, just go in there, grab the babies, throw them in the river. Instead, Pharaoh goes, oh, okay, I guess so. All right, whatever. You know, Pharaoh does the same thing when it comes to he's very fearful of, of, the, the, of the Jews. And so what does he do? Does he order a mass killing of a lot of the Jews? No, instead he says we're going to, harsh, we're going to make their labor harsher. We're going to work them more. Okay, I mean, I guess that's, that's a thing to do. But Pharaoh is constantly shifting his mind throughout this entire story in Exodus, which suggests to me that Pharaoh is not a strong person. Pharaoh is actually a very weak person. Pharaoh is a weak person who won't carry through his, his ideas, not fully. And what God does for Pharaoh is God provides him the option. When it says uh, he's going to strengthen his heart, he's going to harden his heart, it uses a couple different words throughout the Bible to talk about strengthening or hardening Pharaoh's heart. When it says that, what it really means is that God is providing Pharaoh the inner strength to carry through what Pharaoh actually wants to do so that he can see the logical consequences of his own policies. And I think that actually in politics, that's sort of our job to do with our own politicians. Our job with our politicians is that we should ask them for ideological consistency. We should force them to carry through all of their own policies to the logical extreme. And then we can say, okay, this works and this doesn't work. Right? If you think that nationalized healthcare is a good idea, okay, let's carry it through to its logical extreme and let's see how it goes. And then we can determine whether we like it or not. If you think the tariffs are a wonderful thing, then fine, let's do the tariff thing. Let's let Donald Trump tariff everything at 100% because domestic industry matters. And then let's see if that's logically tenable. So when it comes to argument, all I'm saying is that one of the great tactics in argument is to do what God does to Pharaoh. Harden your enemy's heart, right? Make it so that the person has to carry through their ideas to their logical consequence. And then you can determine whether the idea is good or whether the idea is foolhardy. Okay, so tomorrow we will be back. Donald Trump, I'm sure, will have much more for us to talk about. And the left will continue to lose its mind. And the media will continue to miscover all of it. So... I guess more of the same, but always unique and fun. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick-charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So... I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 